Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others won't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Uh, Russell Earnshaw, John Fletcher, where are you? Uh, I'm in Beverly in Yorkshire doing some stuff with British where are you? Um, I'm in my kitchen just been hanging with Steve Snell (coughs) it was good enjoyed it played uh, guess played guess which uh, sporty coaches with my kids (laughs) both went for for rugby first and Elsa went for darts (laughs) <laughs> so, um, uh, purpose of this call is you are currently seventh in the Magic Academy League, uh, ESPN. I am sixth. Uh, leading the charge is Paul Shoebridge, who I spoke to this week just to put him off, and also um, the Shark to Triumph. Um, do you know who shark, the Shark to Triumph is? I don't. Tell me. Dave Sharkey, Shiplake College, head of feedback at Shiplake College. Head of awareness, head of development. Um, uh, so this is really just to think a little bit ahead to the weekend and what type of stuff we saw last weekend that we're excited about and what we might see this weekend that would make us even more excited. So what was your favourite bit? Um, my favourite bit, slightly biased, was the England performance generally, I think. I think they got their, I think they got their strategy right. Um, I think they were supported by Ireland's decision around fullback. Uh, I think they did made some good decisions of when to put the ball in in behind. Uh, a couple of their set piece stuff worked really well. So, so get into them into their game first try and the try. I love the first line out. That was my favourite bit. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I think. Well, I was with a number of people. Everyone was getting pretty excited by just the innovation around that throw. Throw pretty quick. Throw over the top. Manu in the game. Get some good goal forward. And then the rest is history. So that was my favourite bit. So two things I'm going to ask you about and what's your best way of coaching them. Um, uh, first phase, so lots of uh, uh, more focus on probably trying to score a first phase, trying to um, disrupt the defence. Uh, and the second one is kick to score. Uh, firstly, I, I wasn't surprised around first phase, first round of the competition. They've had quite a lot of time together. I would have expected some some special plays around that. I, I do think it's important. Um, obviously, the advantage from an attack point of view is you kind of know where the opposition is going to be and you can set them up a little bit. You can create some situations where where things are looking pretty pretty good for you. 
Um, be interesting to see if it continues. So as people um, have an awareness of what other people are trying to do, see if that intent around the first phase. Um, so yes, I was excited by it. I am curious to see if it's going to continue. Hopefully it will. Um, as far as kicking, uh, I think me and you said for some time really that I think it'd be helpful if more people had more skills around attack and kicking. Just um, numbers, just numbers nine upwards, though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I think England were helped. I think three or four people kicked in the game in terms of attacking kicks. They kicked from different to different areas. I think it causes you lots of problems. Ireland were caused problems by England's kicking game, especially their attacking kicking. Cool. So, and I'm expecting more people to do it. Why? What's your thoughts on it? What's your thoughts? Um, on I'm just thinking about how we'd coach the first phase stuff. I know we did a lot of stuff with people turning their backs in attack, and then you see the picture in front of you, and you've then got a you know three, two, one play as opposed to pre-calling moves. I think lots of teams pre-call moves. Uh, yeah, I just think it's deliberate attention to kicking. So I was uh, I was chatting to the chief. Do you know who the chief is? Do you know chief is. Uh, yeah, yes, I do. He coaches. Well, you told me yesterday, and I completely forgot. Remind me. No, it's not Dale McIntosh. Okay, yeah. Chiefs Manu, Chiefs Manu. Okay, Chiefs. So I said, why? How come uh, Johnny May's got good at kicking? Because Marnanu got good at kicking as well. And do you know what? Uh, do you know what Chief said? Um, probably been hanging around with George Ford a bit. Possibly. Just said he practices it. <laughs> so that helps. So I think, uh, yeah, I just, um, the, I would just forget about the numbers. You know, they clearly give players opportunities to play games where maybe they get more points if they kick to school. Um, maybe we then start to, to sharpen some decision-making by, yeah, there's some consequences if the opposition catch it type stuff. But I was excited about that. The other thing I was excited about, obviously, was uh, Henry Slade. Um, Henry Slade's uh, rugby club being visited by you. And also, Henry Slade getting an interception. Yeah, it would. It, would feed, um, it is definitely feeding some of our biases. However, it's a good, good way often to get the ball back. I think there's some, um, I think some players who are pretty skillful around making good decisions in defence could intercept the ball even more. Um, it's, it's, it's obvious where the ball's gone. It's um, risky though, isn't it? It's risky. Yeah, actually, risky was mentioned a couple of times last night. Um, was it? I think... Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I think if you're pretty skillful around it, I think it's. I don't think it's risky. I think it's just a decision. I think if the opposition are, uh, think you might be looking to intercept the ball. It might lead to some exciting things, as far as your defence is concerned. As far as coaching it, again, just put some attention to it. Put some points around it. And that's something that we did quite a lot. We had quite a lot of success, certainly in training. Um, some of it transferred. I think we could have done better around the transfer. Around. Yeah, maybe give um, maybe give people, you know, the challenge individually to get some interceptions or two or three of you, you've got to get some interceptions. But, you know, you can't tell anyone else and then just see how easy it is and then we can make it harder by telling everyone else. Well, actually, Fletcher and Waltz are trying to get interceptions or Sean Perry's trying to get interceptions. Um, can you remember the game we played in South Africa where their winger intercepted us three times in terms of, yeah. can you remember? Because he was adding deception. So the yeah. thing I'd be really excited about seeing was defensive deception. <coughs> How do you mean deception? <coughs> well, he was running backwards before he intercepted it. So as, as and I know who received the pass, received the pass, their player was running backwards. And so it didn't, it looked like 
the option to pass was on and so we ran it and it was a it was a pretty good deception but yeah I mean just leaving spaces so maybe we leave a space between 12 and 13 off the line out so that they look at it and think we're going to go there we then close the space and then maybe we get an intercept or we get a, a double hit on someone so probably just being more proactive in defense around where we want to put attack my instinct my observation in uh, most defensive coaches is we are <clears throat> we're generally relatively reactive to the opposition of first phase I think we could be more intentional around where we're going to put them yeah agree best moment last year was Tom de Glanville standing behind the post against Wales I think it caused them in terms of from an attack point of view I think it caused them some problems so I would agree uh, do you think we'll see any of it in the, in the Six Nations Tom de Glanville behind the post. Yeah, I'm not sure we'll see that, but do. However, he's playing tonight. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow, 12.05. Tomorrow, sorry, yes. I had a is. panicked uh, text message off Rob Vickerman. He doesn't know any of the players. He needs some, uh, he needs some insight. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Uh, of course he does. I'm only joking. One last good slight change. What's your thoughts around, uh, around the bench or the finishers? Well, what, what do you think? Well, what's your thoughts around that? Which which teams have used their bench well? How do you think it's going to be used in the future moving into the World Cup? Well, I mean, I just want to disrupt people's thinking. So my instinct is, do they all have to happen on 60 minutes? <clears throat> I know Eddie's done a few before half-time and for, you know, for a variety of reasons. Um, who's used their bench well? Uh, I think Wales did. I think it was a significant impact on on the results. Uh, I think France used it terribly. Um, um, I think you've probably got a, you know, in games like that, people who are, and I hate using the word, but people who've had experiences around winning games like that, I think it's important to have some of those people on the pitch in, to, towards the end of the game. I think that's useful. I think they took off a lot of people who've had those experiences. <clears throat> I think bigger coming on for Wales made a big difference. Um, and how well do you think that's practiced? How well? What's the stuff you've heard, or what have you seen around actually team that's going to finish the game, having those types of scenarios and situations? I can only speak of stuff that I can. Uh, so um, I like, I like um, Nick Aziki. Did a bit of piece of work with Waltz around when he was in Argentina and he made his first uh, appearance off the bench. Actually, what was going on on the bench before he went on? So. Actually, observing opposition lineouts, thinking right, what next? If I was to go on now, what would be the next lineout call? Why would it be that? Um, and he was obviously a big part in the Solomona try that led to England winning. But uh, yeah, I think just probably, uh, you know, we, I think one of the cards is about you know calling it the the bench, the nerve centre almost, and getting them to be thinking about. Tactically, what would I do if I went on at this moment in time? How would I change the game? How would I beat the game? And why would you think? Yeah, I think it's stuff that um, spoken more about in hockey. Obviously, it's a bit more transitional in terms of their stuff anyway. Uh, it's called hashtag mission control, by the way. Hashtag uh, mission control. I did invent it. So. I know. It was actually yours. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think hockey do it well. So, there would be some be lots of good coaching conversations going on around actually this is the stuff we're going to do um, 
Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm unsure of the answer around what happens around the benches within the Six Nations or what stuff they're practicing and training around scenarios and situations. <coughs> um, yeah. I'm sure it's going on. It would make absolute sense to. Um, I mean, the England game, as an example, and we put it on the Magic Academy around, the score was pretty close until the, until the last 14 minutes. Um, and I thought England's bench had good impact. I think the game was. Continue to talk about as as did the Welsh one. You know, Welsh second half performance made some made some shift in terms of what they wanted to do, and I thought the bench executed it pretty well. Uh, two other things I'm going to look for: one is lifts off the floor. I'm actually more going to look at missed opportunities to lift off the floor. So, actually, which you know, perhaps which numbers and in what type of positions would the ball be quicker if it was lifted off the floor? I've never asked a nine. Um, would you want it lifted or would you want it on the floor with a bad back? And they've answered with the latter. They generally would like it lifted and to be in motion, so I'm going to look at that. And the other one that I'm interested in is is the line-out. So as as excited as I could get about line-outs, because I think that ball out of play is reducing. So I think we've spoken a lot about it and done some, you know, looking at how the the, the guys from Switzerland down near Australia have um, been trying to reduce people's thinking time. So just get there, get the ball in, get out. So that means that the old days where I used to, you know, we used to get in a huddle and then the, one of the props would go and tell the hooker and we'd get into the line. And by which time the opposition defence was set, those days are gone. So um, I think maybe I, I think I posted on the Magic Academy the World Cup final one where. Yeah, um, it's it, people think it's Australia's. The referee says it's New Zealand's. Uh, Dan Coles gets the ball, and eight seconds later, Monon is making a line break. So, I'm just interested in lineouts. How quickly they get the ball in? What's the impact of that? And probably their calling system is a bit around much less around language now, more around cues, so winks and nods and arms up and all that type of stuff. So, I think that the game's evolving in that area as well. Yeah, no, interesting. Um, I think a couple of areas I'll be looking at around the game. So uh, I think one will be the kicking. We spoke about it earlier. Attacking, kicking, but just generally kicking. What sort of stuff, you know, why are people kicking? What's the purpose? Are they kicking to get the ball back? Are they kicking so build pressure so the opposition kick the ball back type stuff? So, um, yeah, I'm going to try and put some clips of magic around actually what kicking affords you um, and sort of both sides. So in your own half, in the opposition half. I do think, uh, well, I mean, the evidence is out there that that the amount of kicking has gone up. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I'm going to have a look a little bit around. Um, I'm just curious to what people are doing when the ball's out, out of play. So the dead ball time, so some stuff maybe to sort of anything around beat the game, anything around the tactical stuff. I'm going to try and find some stuff across the three games where where people in the game are making decisions and they're being helped when the ball's been out to play type stuff. So that's what I'm going to be watching. Just quickly on the games, let's go in no particular order. Scotland, Ireland, what's your thoughts? Um, a, a Celtic nation to win. <clears throat> a Celtic nation to win. I need a winner. I want Scotland to win. I'm going Scotland. Uh, Even though I predicted Ireland in the... Uh, in the Richard Smith uh, sweepstake, I think it'll be pretty tight. I think if Scotland, I think Scotland will need to um, 
certainly close the Irish down a bit around their defensive stuff. Highland would be angry, wouldn't they? They'd be really angry. Pretty, pretty cross. I think Scotland's attack will hurt them. I think it'll be pretty close. Hopefully it's tight scoring. I think it might be. Um, you think Ireland are going to win, don't you? Uh, I actually think Scotland might. I think Scotland might win. Cool. Who else is playing? Wales, Wales, Italy, at home in Wales. Wales have picked a weaker team. I still think they're going to win. Yeah, I think they've. I think it's a good time to play Italy. Um, I, I think they've put some people on the bench who'll come on. Talking about the bench, I think they have good impact. I think they'll wear it be down eventually. I think the bench will be the difference. Um, I think Italy is going to struggle to win. Uh, England, France at home. England. <clears throat> if the French were to win, how do you think? In what areas? What sort of stuff will, will they be looking to do against England? Direct. Keep the ball alive. Avoid allowing the England defence to settle. So I thought that England defence is, 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 was really good at the weekend. They worked hard. They had energy. The people near the Rook worked really hard to go forward. The people like Slade outside worked really hard to mean that Ireland just kept stepping back inside. I thought Ben Youngs did a good job of making decisions on filling in. So there's probably they'll probably have to avoid rucks as much as possible. And to be fair, that's when they're good. I think they'll have to have a, a good tactical, a good kicking game. So little chips in because I think Ireland missed some opportunities where Youngs is in the line and there's kicks to to space. Um, and they'll probably have to be relatively well disciplined. Yeah. Uh, I'm going for England win. I think England will. I think England could win pretty big. I agree with you. I think French's best way of, of course, an England problem would be to play a fast. However, I actually think it'll suit England. I, th- yeah. I think. I think the way they train. Um, yeah, I think it'll suit England. Interesting about Dan Cole coming. <coughs> Why do you think it's big Dan Cole after a long time? Out? What thoughts? Uh, I think Eddie probably wants to make people not comfortable about being in squads. There'll be a bit of that. So people dip in, dip out. I think France have the... I mean, their pack is gigantic. Actually, weren't that strong at scrimmaging last week. Not probably. They're a bit high, but um, <clears throat> I think Eddie, you know, recognises that Dan Colby, he's, he's a decent scrimmager, isn't he? And I think he's, he's, he's added to his... You know, to be honest, I think he's, you know, he's, he's played pretty well this year, so... Yeah, I've been impressed. I think he is a yeah. He's certainly he's certainly looking to um, add to his game. I'm seeing him doing more more things. Um, Dan, Cole, like Dan Cole cross kick. Johnny made a score, winning try. You heard it here first. Dan Cole's <laughs> added to his game on his his right foot, on his left foot, left foot cross kick. Johnny May in the corner. Yeah, nice, nice. Cool. Put, a pound, put a pound on it. Put a pound on it. It's on. Okay, mate. Anything else to talk about? Uh, no, not really. No, that's it. Cool. Have a good time with shooting. Yeah, and you have a good time. Hockey. You're doing hockey tonight, aren't you? Hockey. Hanging out with Fred. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Bye, mate. Bye.